Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 397. And tonight, Night Vale is back. Woo! We are recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 241. He is still holding a knife. And if you watched the last episode that they did back in December, that's referencing the fact that Cecil's being held hostage in his studio by this young boy with a knife. And as it turns out, the young boy is actually Kevin. Yep. So Cecil explains that he did manage to negotiate with the little boy to get a replacement cable for the radio so that he can continue broadcasting. And the little boy wants something, but even the little boy doesn't know what that is. And he's like spending a lot of time staring at his reflection in the knife. So Cecil is obviously and understandably a little freaked out. Yeah. And Cecil's just going to be the consummate professional that he always is. So while they're trying to figure out the situation, he's just going to go ahead and take us to the community calendar. I loved how the three of the days in the community calendar kind of flowed into each other. Like Thursday is a field day for the Nightvale Senior Center, which they're doing a fundraiser to try to get new beds. Or one of the organizers said, maybe some of the beds will be open suddenly, like right after the field day. So the next day, Friday, is a blood drive, which is really helpful to have after a field day. And then after (laughs) that... There's going to be the community cleanup on Saturday, which is really helpful to happen after a blood drive. You know, this episode was written by Bree Williams, and that does seem to be like a Bree Williams type of thing. It does. A really cool list of things. Now, after that, on Sunday, we also have the Night Vale Scarcity League, and they just want to stamp out abundance. I guess that's a thing they do. Yep, that's just because if you have too much of something, it reduces its value. Like, I think they found plutonium in Radon Canyon, and it made everybody in Night Vale wealthy for like three days, and now plutonium is just so devalued that you can't really use it to buy anything. So if you call the Scarcity League over to your house, they will go through through your belongings and find out what you have too much abundance of, and they will burn it in a bonfire. And uh, it all looks like it's going to be great, except for the fact that they're using the same slogan, I think, from Arby's. Uh, It might have been Denny's. Denny's, that's right. Yeah. And Denny's is going to sue them. And the Scarcity League says that they could lose absolutely everything they own. And they're really excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, they're delighted. They're, They're pretty into that kind of thing. Okay, so back to the studio, and the kid is kind of like carving a question mark on the desk, and Cecil's just always talking to him in just bright, cheerful tones, going, oh, what you doing there, buddy? And eventually, the boy actually tells Cecil he's figured out what he really wants. He says he wants to put the knife into a body. (laughs) He said he wants to put the knife into a body over and over until everything comes out, and Cecil's like, everything and the kid lists this whole like yep blood guts thoughts feelings everything he just wants to keep stabbing until the blood comes out and at this point Cecil is just in his office chair kind of slowly rolling away from the kid and Cecil's very grateful for the little floor mat that Carlos got him for Valentine's Day Cecil hadn't been thinking that was a great Valentine's Day gift but he sure likes it now so he wants to know whose body that the little boy wants to put the knife into and the boy says I don't know and then then he howls. <laughs> That's just such a great image there. Yeah. So 
Cecil's thinking that maybe he just needs to get the kids some food. So while he's figuring that out, he lets us go over to a pre-recorded sponsors, which is recorded by Deb the Sentient Patch of Hayes. It has been so long since we've heard from Deb. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. But she is doing mm-hmm. an ad for DoorDash and just like, what do you want to eat? And, you know, what do you want? And that changes a lot. And she lists out all these things. And of course, it's just Deb getting more and more intense about everything. So she finishes it up with DoorDash, fill the yawning chasm inside. (laughs) But Cecil's glad for that because he's thinking, oh, yeah, I'll order some salmon burgers through DoorDash. And while we're waiting for that, we'll take you to traffic. And basically, the roads are going to be closed for tarring and feathering because I guess the roads have been naughty. The roads have been bad and a lot of bad things happen on roads and that the roads are complicit in that. So they need to be taught a lesson in consequences. So everyone Mm. is encouraged to stay home and not go anywhere and not do anything. Oh, nuts. And Cecil just figured out that may mess with his DoorDash request. Yeah. So he's got the kids some stuff from the vending machine. It may have calmed the kid down for a little bit. Oh, there's a knock on the door. Maybe it's DoorDash. No, it's Tamika. Yay! So Tamika tells Cecil that she could drop kick the kid into submission, but she's choosing nonviolence today because she's a city council member and she's also the de facto guardian of the little boy. So she's trying to negotiate with him and ask him for the knife and sort of like try to use her words to convince him to not use the knife. And now the little boy has a second knife and this one has a serrated <sighs> edge and he's like stabbing both of them into the air really fast. Yeah, he tells Tamika, I understand what you're saying, but stabbing is super important to me right now. And so while they're figuring all that out, Cecil goes ahead and just says, why not? We'll just go to the lost and found. I didn't write down all of them, but I did like the fact that lost keys Florida Keys, to be exact. (laughs) Florida Keys, also the key of E minor, and um, a whole bunch of typewriter keys, I think, which, you know, Mm. I like me some typewriter keys, so that's sad. But they've also found um, this weird money, and and somebody in Nightvale has maybe found a chance to have a new friend that they didn't have before. And uh, what is it? There's found a Hawaiian shaved ice hut that is on the roads. I guess somebody got it out before the tar and feathering got started. Again, a delightful list of random weirdness, but we come back from that, and not only has the salmon burgers arrived, but so has Carlos! Yay! Yay! So Carlos says it's time to run an experiment. And uh, while he's talking, Tamika is taping a whole bunch of trapper keepers around her chest as sort of armor. Because, you know, even if she's going with nonviolence, she still thinks it's prudent to be protected. But now the boy has three knives and he's juggling them and he's just like you just don't understand and the knives are headed in the direction of Carlos and Tamika and Cecil and while we wait to find out where they're going to land we go to the weather because of course we go to the weather the weather was Whiskey by Rumor Mill definitely one of those songs that you can really bob your head to I wrote down that it was a little bit country and maybe like 
quiet rockabilly, I suppose, if that's a thing. Yeah, it's very close harmony singing, which I like, and definitely very kind of jazzy, sort of bluesy kind of uh, music with a lot of string section, I think. And I liked the lyrics. Um, One of the lyrics of the refrain is, when the going gets tough, you tend to get going. And it did seem all about, you know, a song about somebody bailing on a relationship or bailing on responsibilities. So I do have to go back and check that because it was fun. It was definitely a very bop your head along kind of song. Very. So we come back from the weather and Cecil saying, okay, let's start with where the knives are now. Uh, Short version, everyone's fine. (laughs) It's everyone's fine. One of them I think is stabbed into the floor. One of them is in Tamika Flynn's chest, but... It's in the Trapper Keeper, so she's fine. I think the little, because it was like um, Sandy Frank. Was it Sandy Frank? No, that's not oh, it. Oh, uh, um, uh, Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Sandy yeah. Frank is Mystery Science Theater. Sorry about that, yes. It was all Lisa Frank Trapper Keepers, and the, one of the Trapper Keepers had this like neon seal on the front, and it got stabbed in the eye, so now there's like some glitter falling out of it and I'm like oh I remember Lisa Frank Trapper Keepers those were awesome they were the best oh my goodness okay so the boy is now quiet and Carlos is doing his best scientist voice and says he wants to talk to the boy about symbolism which is very hard science symbolism but it's just basically he's asking is there any chance that the knives are not really about stabbing people. Maybe they're about severing connections and severing the connection to who you used to be, which Cecil likes that because who the boy used to be is Kevin, and we really don't want that. No, we really don't. And the boy thanks Carlos for teaching him about symbolism, and it has taught him that his knives are not at all symbolic. He needs to put them into a very specific person. So he has realized that he is Kevin, and there can only be one Kevin in existence. So he knows that he has to go to the desert otherworld and track down his doppelganger and kill him and, like, cut him out of existence. And that's kind of where we left things. Yeah, yeah. The boy yanks one of the knives out of the floor where it had gone when he threw them, and the floor starts bleeding, and there's blood swirling around their ankles. And I'm like, um, okay. But yeah. The episode kind of ends at that point with Cecil saying you to good night, Night Vale. Good night. So, <laughs> so I like this. I, I love this storyline. We didn't get to hear Kevin R. Free, the uh, voice actor no. doing Kevin's voice in this one, which I kind of miss. But uh, hopefully yeah, we'll get too. to hear him in future episodes, especially if we're going to have a little boy confronting Kevin the adult. Man, do you think any of them knew over at Night Vale that the kill your double thing with the sandstorm would become one of the most enduring type of storylines? I mean, we had the whole thing where... Mayor, oh God, why am I blanking on her name? Oh, um, Dana Cardinal? Dana. Dana, yes, where Dana Cardinal had to go on trial for killing her double, and then now we've got another double going on, and he's got this instinct to go and kill his double. I mean, it's kind of amazing that... I, they can't have planned that out that far ahead of time, I'm sure. I can't imagine. I just, I have to remember the description that I heard way back when we first started listening to this about how Night Vale is what would happen. I think if, if it was Neil Gaiman and Stephen King put together a game of Sims and then just let it play by itself forever. So I think yeah. the writers just, they just go where they go. Where does the story lead them? That's A lot of it's probably a surprise to them. Yeah, I wonder about Joseph Fink's double. Is he still stuck in Night Vale? I, I think he is, actually. God, I 
I love that episode where he wandered yes. over to a Night Vale. Just loved it. Oh, so fun. So that's it for Night Vale this week. Nice to get caught up on them. Nice to see them back after the hiatus. Yes, so, indeed. So we're going to move right along to the fact that you actually went to watch Oppenheimer. I did. Yes. Saw that in the Alamo Draft House. Fantastic experience as usual. I will say I'm glad that I didn't go with my first impulse to shell out the extra money and go to a theater that had IMAX oh. because it is not that kind of movie. Okay. Yeah. That you do have the explosion, the test explosion with a lot of effects and everything like that. And I thought that was more impressive for the fact that so much of the explosion is silence. Like, you've had all of this... <laughs> we, we watched the um, the Red Letter Media uh, review of this, and one of the things they complained about was this, just like, the music was constant and overwhelming. And now that I think uh. back on it, I'm like, yeah, it probably could have done with a few more silent bits. So when everything yeah. cuts out like that, yes, it was very impressive. But this is all about Oppenheimer and his life. So there's an awful lot of very dramatic scenes of people talking. So I don't uh. think it's really worth it for the IMAX. It's a good movie. I think this, oh, is, this is probably their movie to lose for the Oscars at this point, for the uh, the best picture. But um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I'm not entirely sure that the accusation about you have the test explosion and then the movie goes on for another 40 minutes. I'm not sure now that that's really fair because... This movie isn't about the explosion. It's about Oppenheimer and everything that he did to make this happen. And then afterwards, how people kept finding reasons to betray him or try to push him away or just like, because, you know, McCarthy era and all that stuff. So you do have a lot of trials. But... It is kind of weird, though, to have an explosion like the first atomic bomb but then the story keeps going afterwards. It does feel a little bit weird, but I do think the rest of the story is very compelling. And of course, okay. Cillian Murphy does an amazing job, and Emily Blunt does an amazing job. There's a scene with her in particular during the trial where she has to testify. I loved it, and I think you oh, will too when you see it. Good, good. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. I'm still thinking I may just stream it somehow. Um, me and Wade are going to go see Poor Things, which Ooh, I've heard. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's supposed to be really weird. And it's also, I think it is second in line for the most number of nominations this year. So, you know, if you watch Oppenheimer and you watch Poor Things, you can check off a lot of boxes in that list. Yes. I think the Best Pick podcast, I'm not sure they liked it as much as other pictures. I don't, I can't remember what their specific complaints were about it. I think... I, their tastes are not always with mine, so I didn't feel right. too bad about that. But I am curious to hear what you think of it. Yeah, they all agreed that the costumes and um, visual effects are really, really nice. Oh, yeah. So I have heard it is just bizarre and weird, and there's apparently a barfing scene in there, but I know exactly where it is, so I know exactly <laughs> when to go to the bathroom. So I look that shit up. But yeah, the only other thing I've done is I've watched three of the nominated documentary shorts, uh-huh. which are good. Um, I'm going to watch another one, but it's called something like the ABCs of book banning. And I'm like, oh, that oh, one's going to be heavy. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other one I think is only available on Hulu, but I'm pet sitting for someone in a couple weeks and I will have access to their Hulu. So I like to I like to knock out that category because they're shorts. So you can watch them fairly quickly. Not like Oppenheimer, three hours. How did you feel the runtime was with that? I was fine with it. I actually didn't. I had the Run P app all queued up and had the two specific points where I could go. 
but I managed to sit through the entire movie without getting up. I just, I thought it was fine. I mean, I think Nathan had commented there was like 15 or 20 minutes that he thought really could have been cut out of that to make it a little bit easier. And as we were leaving, a couple of people who had left ahead of us, they were over in one corner having a conversation. I heard one woman go, yeah, it was too long. They needed to cut like 15 to 20 minutes out of it. I told Nathan, well, they agree. They They agree. agree with you. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. I mean... I do love a nice, quick, tight 90 minutes. And I, apparently there's a podcast out there that actually looks at 90-minute or less movies. I know it's either Flix Watcher or Best Pick Podcast that had some of their people on there. We'll have to put a link to that one because I like the idea of like, God, I just I like a movie that I don't feel like is a marathon. Right. Know? I do think you'll enjoy Interstellar when you finally watch okay. that. It's It gets the science, especially towards the end, gets a little hand-wavy. But I just, mm. I mean, and the music, I thought, was just so powerful in that whole thing and the visuals and the story and just and the robot you'll like the robot i think it's not what you expect nice very nice but i guess that's going to wrap us up for the week so make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews the movie reviews the comic book reviews the photo galleries Wade and I, this past weekend on Saturday, there is a place in San Diego called the World Beat Center, and they were having a comic book day specifically to elevate comics created by African-American creators because it's Black History Month, and it was very fun. I mean, it was like a lot of people with their comic books. We met this one guy I saw from across the way, his poster showing his art and everything had this kind of like mecca but it was like a female figure, but it was so stylized. I was just like, oh, well, I have to have that. And I got a print of it. And I'll put links to all of that because I got a few photos. I have never been inside that space. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because it is like it's the World Beat Center and it's specifically talking about African-American culture and everything. And it is so dumb because I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a white person. Should I go in there? And it's like, yeah, it's for everybody. You know, go in and be <laughs> respectful, look around. And also there's a cafe in there and there are these pastries that we got. And it was a tofu, like jerk chicken flavored tofu pastry with like a flaky pastry crust on the outside. Fucking delicious. Oh, it was wow. amazing. So yeah, I highly recommend that. That was like, I mean, the comics, yes, wonderful, but I'm like, man, that thing was delicious. Holy cow. I gotta try something like that because there are times when I'll have something with chicken and I'm like, mm, this would be great if I didn't have the texture of chicken in it. So yeah. to have something that's chicken flavored, but maybe not with like that fibrous thing going on, oh, that would yeah. be good. This was really good. So I will definitely, I've got probably just like about a dozen pictures up there and I'll put links to the artist we talked to and everything but um all that and more pixelatedgeek.com so next week is laura olympus week oh golly i'm still Mm -hmm. taking a look at those uh teaser images for the fast pass and just like (sighs) i know that she's gonna wrap everything up wonderfully just like she did with the marriage storyline just like she did with persephone you know getting out of her banishment and saving everybody from chronos it's all gonna be amazing it's just all the stuff we're gonna have to go through before that I know, and I don't want to rush it because I feel like, doesn't it feel like this is the last story? I, she she did say that her goal for like her New Year's resolution for 2024 was to finish Lore Olympus. So we know we got less than 52 episodes to go if that really is what's going to happen. I know. So I'm like, I don't want you to rush through it because I don't want it to end. And at the same time, oh my God, we have to figure out what happens and something bad has to happen to Apollo. Jeez. Yes, please. Gracious. But anyway, one way or the other, we will talk Talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
kind of thing to mention to you, but I don't think it'll go on the podcast. So okay. I'll talk about it later. Anyway. 